Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Still freaked out by the intro. Uh, third episode, still weirded out. I know. I was looking at uh, The Girl Crawling, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about uh, our horror house, our haunted house from last week. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, my God. Kids crawling out of the house, things crawling out of the basement. Like, my mind yeah, just crawling immediately. crawling things very creepy. That's why, uh, part of why the ring scared me so much when I first saw it. I don't think I saw the ring, to be yeah. quite honest. Ringu, the original, uh, and then the Japanese ring, the American version. I believe it was Japanese. Yeah. yeah Japanese, Japan and Korea kick out some really good horror horror flicks but just it's just that stilted movement crawling it's just ah it's like you know it's a, a human-ish thing but not moving how a human's supposed to move well in, in our disconnection intro, is very scary in our intro video what kills me is that you don't see her face so mm-hmm. at one i just am waiting for her head to go up and black eyes yeah. or like weird humanoid face or just yeah just anything other than a cute girl <laughs> welcome to scared to death hey uh, y'all i'm dan cummins this is my wife and co-host Lindsay Cummins. Oh, I mean, I was pausing. I don't. I didn't know. I didn't I know mean, after last week. Well, last week you just like. I mean, you like step all over me. So now I'm like, oh, jeez. Oh, like, should I speak for myself, or did you want to be a, a misogynistic guy? And- oh, oh, oh wow, it really escalated quick. <laughs> just kidding. You're not at all. I just like to give you a lot of shit. Are you? Are you? Are you so? You're Hi, Lindsay my name's Cummins. Lindsay. There we I'm go. here with. I'm here with my co-host. There we go. We can flip it around. Oh, you can start it. No thanks. I don't. I don't mind you starting it. You have, yeah. you have more experience. This is your world, so I don't mind taking a back seat. I just don't also do a good job of not being the boss. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I know that that is a thing in our relationship for sure. Uh, Lindsay likes me to pick the restaurants, likes me to drive, likes me to make a lot of decisions in theory. But what she really likes to do is be able to second guess somebody else's decisions. Maybe. Because mm-hmm. it's never like, uh, it's, it's a constant thing of like, well, you know, where do you want to eat? And uh, I'll be like, I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know. Why don't you just pick? And then I'll, and then I'll pick. <laughs> this is like, this is every day in our life. And then I'll just be like, oh, yeah, let's go grab some tacos. Ah, I'm not really feeling like Mexican. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go grab sushi. Uh, then you pick. It's constant. Or, or it's a lot of it used to be well, for I've a while. Relationship. Have you have to, gotten better. I've gotten better where I'm just like, no, I truly don't care. And then whatever you say, even yeah. if internally I'm like, fuck, Ugh. that's the one thing I didn't want. Right. I just go with it because I recognize how annoying it is. I remember for, for driving, it became a thing where I, I know you backed off then where I got to the point where I was like, here's the deal. <laughs> you drive or you shut up and let me drive. But, but those are the two options. But in my defense. Yeah. You've become a significantly better driver. <laughs> That's so, true. That's true. So. I'm not the best driver. And, I, and I've gotten better. I've worked on being a smoother driver. Yeah. So how'd you do last week? Anyways, because no one wants yeah, to listen no to one... our bullshit banter. <laughs> no. We can gripe, rip it. In. We can talk later in the show. Yeah, we, we can, can talk later in the show. We're going to get to the, to the stories first. Two scary stories every week. That's what Scared to Death is. If you're a new listener, it's two supposedly true, purportedly true tales of true, horror. True, true. Murder mysteries, paranormal, you know, aliens, all kinds. Anything scary and unexplained. And uh, Lindsay doesn't know what the stories are going to be. I do. And I'm trying to scare her every week. And last week, you you win. 
I was fucking scared. Yeah, and I got scared. And you had a yeah. yeah. I, I mean, let's recap later. Let's like yes, dive into it because there are some things we need to talk I've, about. I've got there. my handy dandy keep me safe unicorn fuzzies on. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get my cloak of protection blanket because it makes me feel better. For anybody who is just tuning in for the first time, <laughs> I do this every time mm-hmm. because I like the idea of pulling the blanket up over my head if something seems a little too. And spooky. you did that last week. I think there was a full, like, I think I went completely under. Yep. I didn't watch the video afterwards because I didn't want to hear the story again. Once was enough. Well, here's this week's tales. Okay. And and new episodes every Tuesday, midnight Pacific. Uh, Today's first story, definitely the less intense of the two, in my opinion, but still very spooky. Uh, It's a story of various spirits that may haunt Madison, Mississippi's Gothic chapel, the Chapel of the Cross. Okay. Second story, holy shit. Uh, the story of the... <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> Hinterkaifeck farm mystery family murder. We traveled to Germany for that one. Deeply disturbing. Really not into the thought of being murdered on a farm. Or anywhere, really. Right, but something about farm, because immediately I'm just thinking about all the weird farm equipment and every like mm. strange horror movie you've Everybody ever seen. Everybody got murdered on this farm. Well, and like... All of them. Yeah, probably tortured. Like, mm. my mind is already there. It's a very strange murder mystery. <sighs> and, and, and the origin may be paranormal. Cool. That sounds like so much fun. Take me there. (laughs) So let's get to the first story. Time for today's first tale. Madison, Mississippi's haunted Chapel of the Cross. The word gothic goes hand in hand with haunted. Gloomy medieval architecture, pointed archers, pointed arches. (laughs) Ooh. Not archers. Uh, Either or. Flying buttresses, tall thin windows that always seem like they're waiting to reveal a strange face peering out of them. There's a gothic chapel in Madison, Mississippi, a sleepy suburb of Jackson, built in 1851. Madison originally just a little railroad town that Jackson would eventually expand next to. In its lone gothic chapel, the Chapel of the Cross, is considered to be an architectural masterpiece, Okay. also thought to be extremely haunted. Fun. Today, the Chapel of the Cross is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's a fully functioning church, active congregation, has an attached cemetery that also appears to be pretty active. Uh, probably. The Chapel of the Cross and its accompanying graveyard locked up at 6 p.m. each night. The church grounds supposedly locked to keep vandals from damaging the property, even though they've never had a vandal problem. Ah, it's to keep people out so they're not in there searching for things. Bing, bing, bing. Grave diggers. Yep. Some think the grounds are locked up to, you know, to keep them macabrely curious away from the restless spirits that many think are haunting this place. One of the many poltergeist activities observed in the chapel is the church organ, playing on its own uh, late at night. Don't like that. One might think that some local teens may be behind this, but again, it's locked securely at night. Nobody has any idea who or what plays the organ. No one's sneaking in there to play an organ. Don't be ridiculous. Far creepier than some unexplained music are the bloodstains. <gasps> From time to time on the chapel's stone floor, bloodstains will appear. Nobody can figure out what's causing them, and then as suddenly as they do appear, they go away. Sometimes sightings of these bloodstains are accompanied by the sound of someone giggling. Why is giggling scary than laughing, too? Giggling just seems more sinister. <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> Where does the paranormal blood come from? Perhaps from the legend of a murderous caretaker. There's a story about one of the Chapel of the Cross's early caretakers. One night, he supposedly became enraged with his giggling wife. Hmm. And in a moment of blind rage, some say he murdered her then proceeded to cut her head off right there in the chapel, then quickly hit her body, cleared the bloody mess. Once the shock of the murder and the cover-up wore off, he became so overcome with guilt, he hanged himself from the chapel's rafters. 
terrible. Is this caretaker's murdered wife the source of the giggling? Is it her blood appearing on the floor? And there's numerous other legends and sightings. One incident involves four students from nearby Christian liberal arts college, Bellhaven University. When the students were walking home one night, they decided to snoop around the grounds of the chapel. They'd walked by many times before. They'd heard the tales that the place was haunted, wanted to see some poltergeist activity for themselves. So they decided to split up and explore different parts of the church and cemetery. Okay. One walked behind the church. Another looked into the chapel through a side entrance window. A third stood near the chapel's front entrance trying to look in. The fourth tried to read the tombstones in the graveyard with the help of a flashlight. And by the time this was all over, all four of them would claim to have had a different paranormal experience. Which means something happened. One looked up in alarm as the church bell began to suddenly ring on its own. The second student caught a quick glimpse of a creepy shadowy face watching them from inside the window. A face that disappeared as suddenly as it had first appeared. Another student heard the organ music coming from somewhere inside the church. And then the fourth caught a glimpse of a shadowy figure emerging directly out of a wooden door, passing through a gate and walking into the cemetery. That seems probable. When they ran to get another glimpse of this ghost, it had vanished. So who was this mysterious ghost? Uh, Some ghost hunters familiar with the Chapel of the Cross lore think it might have been the ghost of Annie Devlin. Many, many years ago, in the late 19th century, Margaret Johnstone had the chapel built after her husband died. The church was originally conceived to be, prior to the end of the Civil War, a family house of worship for everyone living at the Johnstone's Annandale Plantation, which Margaret's husband, John T. Johnstone, had began in 1819. And then when John died in 1848, Margaret had this chapel built in his memory. Okay, fair enough. When the church construction was finished in 1852, his 44-year-old widow Margaret donated it and the 10 acres surrounding it to the newly created Episcopal Diocese of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And Margaret was heavily involved in that church as a benefactor and worshiper until her death in 1880. And one day, she met a nice, older, hunchbacked, red-haired woman, that detail is important, it'll be important later, named Annie Devlin. Okay, Annie. Annie, get your gun. Margaret and her daughter Helen took a liking to Annie, invited her to visit their nearby plantation mansion. Annie then stayed at the mansion for quite some time as a guest of the Johnstone family, and she became such a close friend of the family that she ended up assuming that she would be offered some kind of permanent place in the family home. Uh Uh-oh. But then one day, Margaret told her that I guess she had outstayed her welcome, that her and her daughter Helen were planning to take an extended vacation, and that when they left, Annie would also have to leave. Annie's not happy. Annie didn't take it well. Annie began to think that the uh, Johnson uh, Johnstone Mansion, you know, thought of it as her home. She took the news that she had to leave very hard. She began to have health problems. She became bedridden. Hmm. And then right before bedridden. she was supposed to officially leave, she killed herself by overdosing <gasps> on opium. And Annie's now, very dramatic. Annie's very dramatic, and Annie may still be there today. So now Annie would never have to leave. Oh. She was buried east of the old iron fence that surrounds the chapel cemetery. At the time, it was common practice not to bury those who had committed suicide inside the boundaries of the church cemetery. Oh, yeah, I think I did know that. And she has been spotted around that cemetery ever since. Mm-hmm. Many years later, after Margaret died, another guest came to stay uh, at the Johnston family home. And one day, this guest asked Margaret's daughter, Helen, if her mother was a short, hunchback woman with red hair. Oh, no. Helen was confused. It was definitely not her mother. But the description sounded exactly like the deceased Annie Devlin. Where did you see her? Helen asked, wondering if there was a photograph of Annie somewhere in the house that she'd forgotten about. The guest told her that she'd ran into the woman on the staircase, and then when she tried to speak to her, she vanished. Oh my God, how terrifying. 
I know, just to actually think you're talking to a real person and then just have them This particular spirit has not only been spotted time and time again around the chapel, she's even been known to pluck the covers off of guests who stayed in her old bedroom in the Annandale Plantation. She's been spotted around the cemetery, and Annie is not the most commonly spotted infamous spirit to haunt Madison's Gothic Chapel, though. Uh, No spirit has been sighted more than a ghost believed to be the spectral remnant of the woman initially shocked to hear about the sighting of Annie's ghost. Oh. Helen Johnstone. Oh, yeah. Helen, daughter of Margaret, the woman who built the chapel after her husband died. When Helen was only 16 years old, she fell in love with a 20-year-old man named Henry Gray Vick, a descendant of Methodist minister Newitt Vick, founder of Vicksburg. And Henry loved Helen as well. Okay. And Margaret approved of their courtship, even though she felt that 16 was too young to get married. True, but... Different times. It's fine. Helen and Henry enjoyed a long engagement, and then finally, uh, Mrs. Johnstone agreed to their wedding. The wedding date was set for Helen's 20th birthday, May 21st, 1859, and it was to be held inside the chapel itself. Okay. Henry and Helen were as happy and as excited as two young people could be before their wedding. But? Tragedy around the corner. Shortly before the wedding, Henry left his home in Vicksburg and made a trip to New Orleans with the intention of choosing his wedding suit and to buy a few things they might need for their new home. Once in New Orleans, Henry decided to go to a tavern for a drink or two, ran into a man named James Stith. Now, James and he had uh, once been friends. They had a quarrel a year earlier that had ended their friendship. And Henry had moved on, but James apparently had not. Oh, shit. James is holding a grudge. Big time. Things got argumentative. And then James said something distasteful about Henry's mother in the day uh, when that type of insult did not go unanswered. Uh Uh-oh. Henry reacted by grabbing James by the throat. (gasps) James reacted to being grabbed by slapping Henry across the face. And then Henry Vick, or then Henry, yeah, Vick, furious at having been slapped, challenged James to a duel. No! Gunfight to the death. James accepts. A short time later, Henry calms down, tries to back out of the duel. Oh, no. He just wants to get married, has no interest in risking his life in a shootout over a stupid argument. He apologizes to James. James does not accept. Henry feels like now he has to go through with the duel. There's something in here. <laughs> There's not something in here. I just saw something move. Okay, fun. Okay. I keep looking around. I'm sorry to take you out of the story, but like I keep seeing something bounce around. Well, spooked. Spooked already. That's good. Okay, fine. Carry on. Okay, so. So he uh, wants to get out of this duel. He wants to get out of this duel. He's like, I just want to get married. Right, because otherwise he's going to be looking over his shoulder for this guy. Because some people don't let these grudges go. Right. And, and he doesn't want to be worried about that for the next, you know, several so years. So uncomfortable. Armed with guns, the two men meet at another location. They stand apart, face each other. The signal is given, and then they both draw their weapons. Sadly for Henry, James was both a much faster draw and Shit. a better shot. Yeah, we saw that coming. Yeah, he fired one bullet before Henry was even uh, able to pull his trigger. <sighs> That bullet hit Henry directly in the forehead, killing him instantly. Henry dies just four days before his wedding. Henry's friends manage to take Henry's body all the way back to Vicksburg, and then they muster the courage to convey the terrible tragedy to Helen. As expected, she doesn't take a while. Devastated. Just minutes before hearing the news that her future husband had been shot and killed, she had been decorating the chapel in preparation for her wedding. Poor thing. This is going to be her birthday as well. If you remember. Am- oh, yeah. Amid hysterical sobs, Helen requests that Henry be buried in the chapel graveyard. She also wants a spot to be left free beside him so she could at least join him and be together in death. That's Helen sweet. then Sweet, right, yeah. Helen then became so depressed that she would sit on a wrought iron bench beside Henry's grave, weeping and talking to him for hours following his burial. 
Her mother, Margaret, became concerned that about, you know, Helen, about her grief. Mm-hmm, she sends mm-hmm. Helen to Scotland for a few months to try and help heal her sorrow. That's not going to work. When she finally returns, Helen has recovered as much as you could expect someone to recover. Yeah. Then almost a decade later, when she's nearly 30 years old, Margaret persuades her daughter Helen to marry a local minister, George Harris. Okay. And legend has it that while Helen does agree to marry him, she also tells him that while she will be a good wife to him, that, you know, she will have kids with him, she will never love him the way she loved Henry, and when she dies, she still wants to be buried next to Henry. Weird. Hasn't let it go. George accepts these terms. He and Helen uh, would be husband and wife for over 40 years. He would die in 1911. Helen would die six years later in 1917 at the age of 78. But she never fully recovered from Henry's death nearly 50 years earlier. And then against her wishes, her family (gasps) buries her alongside George Harris's grave. No. She did have three kids with him, uh, but this was not next to Henry as she had wished. Right, which means she's coming back. Since her death, In 1917, there have been numerous reports of a young woman in an old-fashioned morning dress drifting through the chapel cemetery. Sometimes this ghost is spotted on a little bench sitting next to another apparition that may be Henry. Is it Helen? Is she still filled with sorrow and grief because she's still not with Henry in death? The spirit has been observed to stop at Henry Vick's grave, weep, touch the moss-covered letters of his name, even gently wipe away the autumn leaves. She's sometimes so real that people have approached her, thinking her to be a human in obvious grief and despair, only to be stunned when her ghost promptly disappears. A few eyewitnesses have even claimed to see two apparitions pass straight through the wooden door and the locked iron gate of the chapel cemetery climb up a nearby tree. They supposedly sit together for a few moments before vanishing completely. (laughs) It's weirdly sweet. One can only hope these spirits are none other than Helen and Henry finally spending time together in death, fulfilling each other's deep desire to be the couple that weren't meant to be in life. Okay, so all the apparition, like, it it definitely freaks me out. And if I didn't know the context of the story and saw just any fucking ghosty thing, I would lose my mind. But knowing the story, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I could see that because that sounds real sweet, right. which is fucking insane. Yeah. Because then that means that, like, ghosts are real, which which I think that they're real. And I know that's something that we talk about here. Yeah. Like, if the bad things are real, then the good things could be real. So, like, right. I don't know. That actually. Yeah, that last part, I mean, it, it's creepy to me. I so mean, creepy. I, I gave myself the chills just for a second thinking about, like, the, the powers somebody could have that, like, in death like that. Well. And just thinking about. <laughs> Seen, seen uh, I'm not an apparition. letting you go when you die. But, but yeah, I mean, interesting and sweet too. Let's get, let's yeah. get a few pictures. This, this first picture is of the, this is the church. Okay, so like a standard old church. Yeah, the Chapel of the Cross. Would definitely be creepy at night. Yeah, just the stone structure. Here's another well, picture. And also like the, um, the students that went in there, that, that part of the right. story kind of got me more than anything. Because if you've got four people. Yeah. All on the hunt for this. Maybe like the shadowy figure in the in the window. That could, you know, be a figment sure. of your imagination. But, but the apparition walking towards the cemetery. And they all, like, I think they were all back together at that point and they all saw it. Or one of them saw it and they tried to chase I believe it was after. one and tries to chase. Yeah, yeah. I might have phrased that poorly. But I believe it was yeah. just the, the fourth person. Well, and the bloody footprint thing. That's the thing that really... Yeah, just the blood me. on the stone floor. I'm gonna tell you a story about footprints in a second. Okay, this now, now I didn't. I think you added footprint because of the what you're thinking about. There was just blood that magically appears on the stone. Oh, floor, and then it disappears. And then it disappears. Oh, it did. It did. Triggered a memory. It did. Uh, this next picture is of the cemetery. Okay. okay. So there's one shot of the cemetery. Is that the bench? Yeah, that's one of the. Be- now I don't know if that's a, the bench that would have the been bench. there. But- 
Yeah, when Helen was young. But yes, that's the bench sure. that people have spotted an apparition on. And then one more picture, a little better picture of the cemetery. I mean, it is a creepy cemetery. But I love old cemeteries. It, it, okay, this is shot in the daylight. I'm like, oh, it's so pretty. Exactly. It's so cool. At, At night, night I would be losing my shit. Different. We, we have a right. cemetery across the street from where we record. Right. And it's fine during the day, but I've never gone there at night. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, the way, exactly, we record, I mean, right now we're, what, 40, 50, 60 feet from that cemetery? Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, directly across the street, seems fine. Don't know if I'd be hanging out there at, at night. No, but maybe we should take a scared-to-death field trip one night. Ooh, okay, I mean, it is right there. It's right there. Oh, I had, there's one more uh, quick... <laughs> You motherfucker. <laughs> That's a, some gift. That's so stupid. That is from Dolly Dearest. But this it, is Dolly Dearest. In my Dearest. mind, I was like, brace yourself. You know he's going to play tricks on you. Now, this is Dolly Dearest. All right, enough. We got it. It's from a 19... No, no, she can stay. She no, can stay. No, she can't. She's from a 1991 uh, comedy horror film. It's not funny. It's about a demon possessing a little doll. Kind of Child's Play-esque. Denise Crabby. Secret. Torn. Kind of like Baby Secret. Uh, Denise, uh, yeah, kind of like, like somewhat unknown Producer actors. Joe, please remove the gift. <laughs> Otherwise, tonight, when I close my eyes, that's all I'm going to see. Thank I you. Just thank you, Internet, for providing. <laughs> oh, she, she She's popped back. back up for us. Oh, there oh, yeah. she is. Oh, there she is. Sorry, I was ready now. Okay, can I tell you about my footprint Yes, yeah, so I want to hear what, what this triggered in you mm, as far okay. as memory. So my childhood best friend, uh, her whole family and, like, spending time with her definitely opened me up to the possibility of various like spirits and ideas and things that could happen that, you know, yeah. when you're young, you definitely entertain those ideas more anyways. Right. But right. Uh, things constantly happened when I was with her or around her. Right. So like I'll reference her a lot, I'm sure, in this show. Yeah. Um, but so I remember her telling me a story about a cousin's kid. So like a second cousin. Um, they were all at said cousin's house and mm -hmm. playing and somebody had there was a pool table and somebody had like a young child like two or three or five like sure okay and uh the the kid maybe the kid was even a little bit older than that and they were hanging on the edge of the pool table okay. you know like you know how like the base is here but then the table goes longer sure the kid weighed enough or was pulling down on it enough that the pool table came down and killed the oh my god and killed him Killed the child. I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Really tragic, obviously. Jesus, yeah. And But creepy fucking crazy. After funeral, the whole thing, uh, the family would occasionally find little footprints walking uh. up to the pool table. And when they took out the baby's shoes to measure it, it was exactly the same size. Like it, it was an exact match. Is that fucking insane? That's and so, and, and when so she creepy. told me, I remember being like, bull fucking shit. And her whole family was like, oh no, that's a thing. Now, I, that could be like a family legend, a family myth. Like, I, I don't, Interesting I don't, that they all corroborated it, though. Right. And, and I don't know if this was like a twice removed cousin. Like, it was someone that I never met. Right. But yeah. So the bloody footprints immediately. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, if, you spooked if, me on that one. Spooked yeah, me on that one. Uh, I would haunt you. Yeah, you would haunt me for sure. I would come back. You're gonna, you're gonna hang around. Yeah. Now, would you, would you marry someone if they told you, "Look, I love you. You're great, but, but when I die, I'm gonna be buried next to this other person I used to love." It depends. If, if you died first, and like I was 
young enough that I, I didn't want to be alone, right? Because at a certain point, you're like, I'm cool. I got this. I'm like 85. I'm going soon okay. anyways. Yeah. If we're kind of on the younger side and you pass away, and then maybe I meet somebody else who's also widowed, and we both are kind of like, listen, I love you. You're great, but you're never going to be the great love of my life like my okay, significant other Okay, so in a certain situation, was. you could yeah, do that. Yeah, and if you have children with those other people, like, yeah, I, I guess. I don't. Honestly, I'd probably be cremated and have my ashes split between the two of you. That seems fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting... Compromise. It's very politically correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, now, now. What about I, you? Are you coming to be buried with me? Yeah. But I'm what if buried you, with you? What if you? What if I die first and you marry someone else? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I would want to. I mean, yeah. I would still want to be buried with with you. I mean, I. But what I if don't, you love her? You love her now. Uh, you, there's not a wrong answer. You're not going to be. I know. For this I know. Later. It's weird. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things with love, where it's like you know you can't. Um, well, it's like when you're in a relationship with somebody, like there's no way this is it, and then later you're like, oh god, what was I thinking? And then you, but I don't think that would happen with us. I don't know. <laughs> I would hope not. I would hope not. Considering that we got married later in life. I mean, right, not later, but like right. we were adults. We yeah, weren't. yeah. I don't have any plans to get buried next to somebody else. That's all right. I just want you to die after I die. Oh, I would like to go first. No, we both we both are trying to claim that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move away from our own deaths. All right. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. And we're going to get... It, Sorry. Are you, I'm going to get into the next story, okay. if, you, if you're ready. This this is the story. This is one of the... I think this is actually the first story I found for Scared to Death. When I initially started looking for stories, this is the first one where I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, this has got to be it. This makes the list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Which means I'm pretty fucking nervous right it's now. It's a very, very odd tale. Okay. Time now for our second tale of the day. The Hinterkaifeck... I'm going to say that again. It's a, it's a weird German word. Hinterkaifeck. Okay. It's the feck that gets me. Not a lot of feck words. Just think of fuck. Fuck. Time now for the second tale of the day. The Hinterkaifeck Farm Mystery Family Murder. On a quiet night, March 31st, 1922, at a small, unassuming farmstead, roughly an hour's drive north of Munich, a terrifying and mysterious unsolved mass murder took place. Many have thought that some type of demonic infestation or something else not of this world has something to do with these murders. Chills already. On that early spring evening, no one was around to hear what would have been horrified screaming, all kinds of other tortured sounds related to someone or something brutally and systematically slaughtering all of the farm's inhabitants one by one by one with an axe. Does that mean the animals too? Just people. The ill-fated family who lived on Hinterkaifeck Farm were the Grubers. There was Andreas, a 73-year-old farmer, and all-around terrible human being, as you're about to find out. His 72-year-old wife, uh, Caselia, their 35-year-old widow daughter, Victoria. Her husband had died in World War I, and then Victoria's children, little 7-year-old Caselia and 2-year-old Joseph. So two Caselias. And on that terrible and mysterious night, the family's new maid, Maria Baumgartner, who had arrived at the farm only a few hours before, also became an unfortunate victim to whatever butchered the entire family and then also the maid. The Grubers were well-known locally, thought to be a successful family, at least financially. They weren't particularly well-liked amongst the locals for some shady reasons we'll get into in a moment, mostly just pretty much entirely because of the father. They're referred to as reclusive, which again will make sense after what you're about to hear about them. The family lived just over a half mile outside the little hamlet of Kaifek, which lay behind the tiny town of Vongen, 
which had been incorporated into the present town of Weidhofen. So just over 2,000 people in this area when the murders happen. It's just a, a super sleepy little cluster of Bavarian villages. Okay. The Grubers lived far enough away from the nearest neighbor to not be heard, which adds to the mystery. Mm-hmm. No one heard anything, uh, you know, regarding the murders, but no one would. You just didn't hear anything going on at the farm ever. Okay. The Grubers were a big source of local gossip, uh, partic- uh, particularly because... It was apparently well known that Andreas regularly beat his wife, Cecilia. Ugh, asshole. And that's just the tip of the iceberg on this guy. And that he also supposedly beat some of his children to death. What? Yes. And molested and raped his children. Mm. Nothing Not okay. nice. Nothing nice to say about Andreas from anybody. Sadly, in the days before social services uh, existed in the remote Bavarian countryside, if someone was literally beating their kids to death... And also molesting and raping their kids. Instead of doing something about it, people just generally gossiped. 35-year-old daughter Victoria was, according to a few sources, the only surviving child of her father's cruel punishment. The only one that made it to adulthood. Andreas may have spared Victoria because he was having a sexual incestuous relationship with his daughter. This, according to one source in the story, was still fairly commonplace in rural towns like theirs. Fuck, man. Terrifying that incest was supposedly commonplace in this section of rural Germany in the 1920s. Yeah, not even that long ago. Not that long ago. Another farmer in the area, a man named Lorenz Schlittenbauer, would claim that he was at least the father of young Joseph, Victoria's youngest child. But we don't know if that's true. Lorenz or Lorenz wanted to marry Victoria, but Andreas forbid it. Andreas was obsessed with his daughter Victoria, forbid her from getting remarried to anyone after she became a young widow. Okay. Victoria regularly attended church services in the local village, even became an active member of the church choir with uh, what was said to be a beautiful singing voice. Despite all the rumors swirling around her and her family, she was at least somewhat active in the town. Then in late 1921, a few months before the murders, rumors of demonic activity at the already gossiped about Hinterkaifeck farm began when a Gruber household maid suddenly quit her job and left. Great. Here we go. This maid stated that she no longer wanted to work at the farm because of all the strange sounds and voices she'd been hearing at night, including the sounds of footsteps echoing uh. from an attic that was supposed to be empty. The maid became so convinced that the house was haunted and that it wasn't safe to stay there, she just immediately left. Witnesses after the murders became uh, a big story stated that this maid was pale and emaciated when she left. Even though she looked... using her? Well, she looked completely... Yeah, she looked completely healthy when she'd begun to work for the Grubers and then left looking as if she'd uh, barely survived nights of pure horror. Uh Uh-oh. The Grubers did not seem to take the maid's story seriously initially. They thought she was just mentally disturbed. By the time she left, maybe she was. Months later, just days before the murders, another strange and mysterious occurrence took place at the farm. Andreas Gruber was outside making rounds, walking in the front yard near the woods when he discovered odd-shaped footprints in the snow. He followed the strange tracks until they reached the main house. The footprints led directly to the front door. Oh my God. Did they go inside? Yes. Andreas became a little concerned at this point because he looked all over the property and couldn't find any other footprints looking like these initial footprints leading away from the house. Yeah, that's not a good sign. So some creature, he never says human, walked in, you know, towards this house, came to the front door, the footprints stop. One can only assume that whatever made these tracks was still in the main house <sighs> since it didn't leave. He cautiously entered the home, searched in vain all over the house, found no one, nothing out of place, 
nothing missing. Later that night, after he'd finally stopped worrying about the strange tracks and fallen asleep, he was awoken by strange and unexplained noises coming from the attic. Raspy whisperings. No, thank you. Someone or something was talking, but he couldn't understand what was being said. He thought about what the previous maid had said she had heard, voices Mm -hmm. in the attic. Was he hearing the same voices now? Yeah. Andreas decided to find out, and he crawled up into the attic himself. Are you a fucking idiot? He found nothing. You don't go in there. You wouldn't be curious enough to look yourself? Fuck no. Uh, would be pretty scary. He started to think he was losing his mind. Did the odd noises and the strange footprints only exist in his head? <sighs> the next morning, things get more disturbing. Andreas finds a newspaper on his front porch that he'd never seen before. A newspaper no one in his household recognized. No one claimed to have brought it home. Weird. Later on in the day, he walked by the tool shed and found multiple scratches and deep cuts on the tool shed door as if someone or something had been trying to break in. Uh-oh. Yet no one had heard anything. Andreas walked over, talked to one of his nearest neighbors, asked them if they'd heard anything. This neighbor told Andreas that his own set of house keys had recently gone missing. The neighbor oh. would recount this conversation to authorities after the family's massacre, wondering if the loss of their keys had anything to do with the Gruber family tragedy just a few days later. Hmm, probably. Then on March 31st, 1922, a new maid, Maria Baumgartner, makes her way to the Gruber household to begin her first day of work, and she would go on to have arguably one of the first days on the job in human history. Okay. Four days later, April 4th, when Victoria had not shown up to church, when her daughter, Cecilia, had now inexplicably missed several days of school, Uh and no one had seen anyone else in the family or seen the new maid since her first day at work, a few townsfolk decided to go to the Gruber farm to check in and make sure they were safe. Nope. Of course they were not. The postman had also alerted them that no one had come in uh, from the farm to collect their mail in several days. When the group of concerned citizens knocked on the Gruber's doors and called out for them, no one... (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ! God damn it! Somebody just scared the shit out of it. Somebody just pounded. Oh, that really got me. That really got me. I don't know why I was not expecting that on any level. My God. You're, what you're hearing is not a fake reaction. Somebody in the building we're recording in went out and pounded on I, I, the walls. or the. Oh, my God. That, oh, whew. Okay. That was, that was really good timing. Okay. That was okay. good timing okay. uh, during right. the build. Thank you, Joe, Harmony, and Zach. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, that really got me. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay. Okay, okay. So, they, they... so when the group... <laughs> right, right when I say knocked on the group's doors, called out no one... And I'm going to be jumpy the rest of this. Okay, search of the property around the house in the nearby forest doesn't find any of the groupers either. The townsfolk also note that it's eerily quiet on the farm. The informal search party decides to check the barn. And when they open the door, they're met with the most horrific sight any of them had ever seen in their lives. On the dirt floor inside the old barn, lying in a gruesome pool of their own coagulated blood, lay the lifeless bodies of Andreas, his wife, Cecilia, his daughter, Victoria, and his young granddaughter, Cecilia. So four. Four in the The bodies were carefully laid out in the middle of the barn, partially covered with hay. Oh, that's weird. Mm Mm-hmm. The Gruber family appeared to have been systematically lured into the barn one by one and brutally attacked. No defensive wounds on anyone. Clumps of the little girl Cecilia's hair had been torn out of her scalp. Investigators would later assume she had lived long enough after her attack to possibly witness the attacks on others in the barn. Unfortunately, she did not live long enough to tell anyone what she'd seen 
or, or get help. After discovering these bodies in the barn, the townsfolk began to frantically search for the new maid Maria and the little boy, little boy Joseph. Yeah, where are they? Right, in case they're alive, they need help. Uh, Maria and Joseph's bodies found in the main house. Mm. The little boy Joseph's body was found lying dead on top of his bed in Victoria's bedroom. The maid Maria found dead in her own bed. Obvious that both the maid and the little boy had also lost enormous amounts of blood. All six members of the Hinterkaifeck farm had been obviously and brutally murdered. Police officers from the Munich Police Department soon arrived at the farm. Inspector George Reingruber was the lead of the team in charge of the murder investigation. He initially suspected that the real motive for the Heiterkaivek uh, murders was a robbery. That's what I was thinking. And they proceeded to interrogate, quote, suspicious-looking people from the nearby villages. Uh, funny the way they did it back then. As well as transient merchants and even beggars in the vicinity. No credible suspect was found. And then, and then the robbery theory was soon abandoned when a big sum of money, easily discoverable, was discovered inside the house. During the investigation, all the other family valuables uh, were found to have been remained, you know, they were intact. Nothing right, was right. taken. Six people murdered, nothing taken from the farm. During the ongoing police investigation, it was discovered that a few weeks before the hellish night at Heinterkaivek, Victoria had completely emptied her bank account. Oh. Even borrowed some additional funds from her half-sister. She was going to make a run for it. And Andre Andreas Gruber was the senior Cassilia's uh, second husband. So she got this money to serve as seed money for investing in a farm of her own, is what they think. Okay. Victoria had also secretly donated a large gold mark in the church confessional just prior to her murders. When the parish <sighs> priest traced the sizable amount back to her, Victoria told the police to keep the money for missionary work. So odd. Weird. That she took all this money out, borrowed yeah. money, gave some valuables away in the days leading up to her it's and her like family's death. she knew death. she was going to die. Or knew she was going to do something. Knew her father might do something. Maybe she's going to make a run for it and got stopped. A lot of questions. Another theory and criminal motive that the investigators played around with extensively was that the Heinterkaivek murders were done as a crime of passion. The police felt that Victoria's former suitor, Lorenz Schleitenbauer, or Schlittenbauer, oh, yeah. had a pl plausible motive to want the, uh, the Gruber family dead. You know, if he really was young Joseph's real father, if he really was forbidden to marry Victoria or spend time with his son, uh, he had a legitimate grudge. When the police interrogated Schlittenbauer, he confessed that he indeed did know about Andreas and Victoria's illicit and illegal incestuous relationship and was disgusted by it. <sighs> the police then wondered if this incestuous relationship had enraged the love-struck Schlittenbauer and he retaliated by killing the entire family, even his alleged son, young Joseph, crazy sure, but people have done crazier things in moments of passion. Right. The police pursued Lorenz as a suspect, but were not able to find enough evidence to charge him with the murders. Hmm. They pursued various other leads in the weeks following the murders, but none of them came up with anything promising. So no suspects. A day after the discovery of the murders, April 5th, 1922, the court physician, Dr. Johann Baptist uh, Amuller, performed all the medical autopsies in the barn of the farmstead. He established that a farm tool such as a matic, a.k.a. a German pickaxe, oh, was the no. murder weapon. And this is very interesting to me. Each murder victim had been killed in the same way, with a single powerful blow to the head with this axe. Weird. One blow for every person. Who would be precise enough right. with this axe to kill each person one blow? The exact same thing over and over. One blow to the head no over and over. The autopsy showed that all the victims died instantly except for the little girl and daughter of Victoria Casilia. So doc Awful. The doctor speculated that the terrified little girl survived for several hours after Ugh. the single blow to her head. 
determined that the little girl herself had quite possibly pulled out her own hair while the life seeped out of her little body on the barn floor. She was understandably in, in, in a you know pure panic and shock. <sighs> the police spent days investigating the crime scene, concluding that an intruder must have figured out a way to lure Andreas, Casilia, her daughter Victoria, young Casilia, into the barn one at a time over a series of hours, hitting each right. of them again with that axe a single time. The first two victims were thought to be Victoria and her mother, Cecilia, because they weren't dressed in bed clothes and their deaths had probably occurred earlier in the day than most. Okay. The killer then is thought to have proceeded into the farmhouse to finish off the little boy, Joseph, and maid Maria. Another curious note about the crime scene, some true crime authors have noticed is that all the bodies were covered by some type of material. Right. That, that got me. Mm-hmm. The bodies in the barn covered with hay. Joseph covered with his mother's skirt. The maid Maria covered using a bedsheet. This strange show of delayed courtesy, false modesty for the dead bodies, points towards a theory that the killer had some sort of emotional bond or connection with the victims by covering them up, maybe hiding from what he or she had done. Another bizarre occurrence to add to an already convoluted murder mystery is what the neighbors witnessed on the weekend right after the murders. Oh, what happened? The date of death was determined to be March 31st, and it was four days before anyone discovered the bodies. Okay. However, neighbors claimed to have seen smoke coming out of the chimney on the last two days, <gasps> and all of the animals on the farm were well-fed. The family dog was tied up in the barn unharmed with food and water. No indication that they had gone over a half week without food. Weird. The bed in the farmhouse also showed signs of recently being slept in. Uh. All of this seems to indicate that after the victims were murdered, the killer stayed around for a few days, unbothered by the covered corpses surrounding them. That's weird. The murderer slept in the house, even cooked food, smoke from the chimney that the neighbors claimed to see that would indicate the cooking. Over the following years, the police would question over a hundred murder suspects. Wow. They'd even employ clairvoyants to try and figure out what really happened at the Hinterkaivek farm. None uh, of this investigation, you know, investigation techniques, none of it solved the mystery. To this day, no one knows what happened. If the noises in the attic that the maid right. of the Gru- Grubers heard before she left were actually noises made by the later murderer, a human murderer, that would mean that this killer had been hiding in the attic for over six months. Just waiting. Waiting. Then right after the brutal murders, did this same killer stay for a few more days to savor their kills? So fucked up. Highly unlikely these murders will ever be solved, so there's there's nothing on site, you know, left to investigate now. A monument has been erected nearby, the only symbol of the gruesome and bloody murders that took place at the Heinterkaivek farm. Human killer or paranormal murder, this story is deeply unsettling. Yeah. I have a hard time deciding what's actually scarier, that their home may have been haunted by evil, violent spirits, or that some madman toyed with the family what I think. for over half a year, then savagely and methodically mm-hmm. murdered them all. Think about that the next time you hear a strange, ominous sound in your home in the middle of the night. What's worse, some malevolent spirit or some malevolent human being? If you could pick, would you want that sound in the attic to come from a ghost or an axe-wielding madman? When you're being tortured and killed, I don't think either option would be very comforting. I think i choose a human. No way. I'd rather have it be a ghost. No way. Some fucking lunatic with an axe up we in the have, attic. We have guns. I still, I still, I still you no can't thanks. catch a spirit. You can't catch a spirit. And you can't make it stop, but a human. It scares me more for you, some reason. I can fight and a what, human. And what it's combo. There's no reason it couldn't be a combo. What if it's a human possessed, possessed by some horrific entity that's driving them to hide in the attic like a fucking lunatic? I think it was the lover. You think he was hiding up there in the attic? Well, yeah, because what if he was, like, sneaking in to have, like, little rendezvous oh. with, 
with uh, what's her nuts? <laughs> yeah, uh, with Victoria. Victoria, I was going to uh-huh. say Maria with Victoria. Right. And she was supposed to leave. They were supposed to run away together in the night, like all these things. Yeah. And then like she chickens out, and he fucking loses his god love in mind. I like that theory. Right. Okay. And he just like in a, in rage just kills them all, and then like you know is there and is like shit. Now what yeah. do I do? Because because the detail about covering them up, I, of course I didn't know about the maid and, and the son. And I, we have pictures in, of that too. But in the barn, when you're yeah. talking about like hay being over them, I was like, that's fucking weird. That's, a spirit wouldn't yeah. do that. Well, we don't know what spirits would do. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that I just don't think that like they care about like modesty. I don't think spirits have okay. regret. Like I don't think of a spirit as having a conscience. I just think we don't know. So no rules. Who knows what the rules I've are? I've got rules. Okay. Remember how bossy I am? <laughs> Spirits don't have a conscience. Let's pull up a picture of the farm. All right. Okay, so that's the, I mean, you know, it's old pictures. The farm is no longer in existence. Sure, but just standard. Yeah, so that's, and, and then here is some crime scene photos. This is a, the barn scene murder pic. There's one photo. It, it was, the, was the axe situation? Sh- was it I'll show here? you. I'll was show you. The there's, there's another, here's another crime scene. Now this next one you can see, it's not a great, I mean... Okay. The blood on her head, though, you know, it looks like looks like it was she was hit oh, right so around the, the forehead, like right in the bled down the front of her of her clothes there. <sighs> and here's what here's here's the axe itself. So it's like, it's oh, like a little like a, mining axe. Yeah, like a little pickaxe. So specific. Oh, what yeah. did the lover do? Do we know what his job was? But we got one more axe picture. I'm nervous this is, that you're gonna. Uh, this is the. Now this, I don't. This doesn't have anything to do with the Hinterkaifeck, uh, but this is a picture. I knew that was coming. Of a, a weird. If every time we do this, lady the with last the photo is I I mix a joke up. photo. I gotta mix it, mix them up. I would like to tell you that I told them to bang on the window. Oh, you did that. I did. That scared the shit out of me. I knew it would. It scared you though too. Yeah, I know. I knew it was coming. You forgot. And I even told no. I mean, I, yes, I was in the story and I forgot, but also I told them I was like, you know, I'm gonna fucking scream too because I don't know when it's coming because I don't right. know the story, so it's not like it's. Well, you know what? Good job because it, I wasn't expecting it on any level. Yeah. Well. Now I have now I have a new level of fear when I record in here. I'm gonna fuck you up every time I can. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> That's love. Love is scaring yeah. the shit out of the person that you share a bed with. <laughs> you know th- this particular story. When I said the reason I I liked, I mean it's, it's a little different. It's not a traditional ghost story, but there's elements of possible because of the whisperings in the attic. Yeah, there's there's the possibility of something, and it just reminds me of like a like a campfire tale. Right, right. You know, like they're sitting around a campfire and like, Once did you hear about the Hinterkaifeck, you know, la, farm murders? La, la, la. Because what's what's disturbing about the story to me is they never did figure out what happened. I, I... And, and the human thing, okay, I, I get what you're saying. Could I don't love... think it was a spirit. I really don't. Okay, but here's here's my devil's advocate on the human thing. It's just interesting that, that what, like, so methodical and one hit per person, that's just so weird to me. Not that that couldn't be done. But that's very different than like a normal crime scene you would hear about where it's just like more right. of like chaotic. Well, to me, I feel like, okay, again, going back to Loverboy. Ugh. If, if, I'm picturing a weird little monster luring people out of the barn. I'm picturing psychopaths. Well, Lover. Yeah. Loverboy. Because in order to lure four people into that barn, I feel like if someone you know and trusted was like, come here, come here. Okay. You could like you would have to get the first person out there. So who was the first person murdered? Do we know? We don't know uh, well, who the who the first person was, but it seems to have been, if I'm uh, remembering, Victoria like, and her mother. Right. So in my, the way that they uh-huh. were dressed. In my mind, Victoria's first. That. Lover boy gets her out there, and and then he and knows then, that people will come looking for them to find the rest. Well, no, I just I think that he gets her out there because 
he, he they're going to talk about how she can't rendezvous anymore right. or whatever. Like they're having some secret tryst meeting kind of thing. Yeah. And then and then he goes back and gets to the mother and says like, oh, my God, she's sick. She's fault. Like, I need your help. Hurry. Come. Gets them. Gets the mother in there. Kills her. And then, okay. you know, kids are trusting. Right. So he could be like, come help me do this thing. I, I just feel like if that murder was committed in present day. Yeah. With forensics and fingerprints and and all of the advanced technology that we right. have, I feel like okay. there would be, without a doubt, somebody arrested. Okay, it, it just, it, 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 so it, part of this mystery might just be the the time that it happened. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like. And, and it was and it was Victoria and and the mother who were the first two. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also I just think like. I don't, it feels too clean and neat and precise for a spirit to do it. To me, but see again, that's that goes to like, wh- why do we have these expectations that a spirit has to do it this way? I don't know. How'd you do last week after our stories? You know, just uh, just nothing, nothing big, nothing big happened. Just a lot of like um, goosebumps. Yeah, a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah, just a lot of like thinking about it and just being like, oh my god. Yeah, like you looking know. over your shoulder kind of stuff. Yeah, the stuff it always just like spooks me. Always at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm always fine during the day, but then it's at night where it's just like you know you just you you know you're walking. <laughs> it's just like weird moments of like walking, you know, like past the stairs, and then having like a flash memory of like the clown ghost thing on the stairs. Oh, why did it have to or, be a clown? Or waking up to go to the bathroom and be like, don't fucking see a dude in a flannel shirt. Well, my thing is always the mirror. I'm like, don't look in the mirror. Don't look in the mirror. Don't look in the mirror. Right. Even though that story had nothing to do with mirrors, it's like Doesn't that's matter. where I think, like, yeah, I would see, I would see them. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I kept I, thinking about um, because uh, and I forgot to mention this. I think last time, just mirror reminded me when they had that power outage. Oh yeah. I don't know why, but when I'm in bathrooms, especially like in situations like that where there's not good lighting, mm-hmm. what I don't like is when the shower curtain is pulled all the way closed. Oh. My mind won't stop thinking about what's in Psycho? the tub. Oh yeah, like the Hitchcock. But I, but in that one, you're that's when you're in the shower. I know, but it's still just still kinda, the same principle. I don't. Yeah, it like I just it, don't it like, evokes the same. Feeling. I don't want. I don't want. Part of me wants to uh, pull back the shower curtain, but I won't because I I'm it. like, I, well, if there's something back there, if it's not, if it's not bothering me, I want to just stay back there. But I like, I go as fast as I can and I get the hell out of there. Sometimes when I'm home alone, like if you're out on the road or mm-hmm. whatever, and the kids are with their mom and stepdad, and I come home, let's say like I've gone out to dinner with girlfriends, and it's like that twilighty hour where mm-hmm. it's like not dark, but it's also not not dark. Right. I will check. Every fucking room, every closet under every bed in our house, like a lunatic. Because I I don't know. And and if I found something, hi, I'm boned. It's not like I'm walking around with like a gun in my hand. Right. I'm not ready. Do you ever got two Australian Labradoodles? Little fluff, little fluff babies. They would just be like ruff ruff. Like that would be the end of it. If that Ginger is afraid of of uh, bags, she's afraid of literally anything that she hasn't seen before. (laughs) I know. She hides behind a person immediately. (laughs) We would be screwed. <laughs> Did I tell you what happened to me in the bathroom here at work? No. So, oh, yes. That's what we were going to talk about at the beginning. Yes. 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 So after our last story, mm-hmm. uh, I was saying that it like it, I felt like we pulled something into this room. Like it felt right. particularly co- cold and spooky. And even during this story, I saw it could have just been a shadow, but I swear to God, I saw like it just felt like something moving. It's probably just a shadow or like a fly. I thought yeah. maybe there was a fly in here, but somehow that's creepy to me because fly like flies over dead bodies like I don't know I can't handle it just being a fly so anyways so I was already like spooked when I came into the room because I was thinking about last week uh, after we recorded I go to the bathroom and we're in a shared space right so we have like a three stall bathroom for people who don't know right like a you know like in any kind of office building so I go in there I'm the only person in there I'm in stall number one I'm doing my thing and in, in a girl's 
bathroom stall. I don't know how it is in a dude's, but there's always um, a metal uh, garbage can for girl stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'm not touching mine. I don't need it for any reason. And I hear the one next to me opening and closing. It's like a very Ugh. distinct, like metal on metal sound. And then I was like, hello, hello. Is there anybody in here? Because I thought like I, there yeah. could have been somebody in there and I just didn't know it. Yeah. I finished my business really fast. I popped into the next stall. I popped into the next stall. Fucking no one. Nothing. None of the like garbage can lids were up within the stall. Like I'm looking at everything. All the toilet seats were down. Like nothing Weird. was out of place. That bathroom has freaked me out since you did your time suck on Annalise Michelle. Yeah. Every time I go in that bathroom, I That's just so feel a little like. Ugh. Are the lights gonna go out? Like, what's gonna happen? I don't. I don't know. That, that bathroom concerns me greatly. It is, it is weird. I mean, you wonder about the power of the mind with this kind of stuff, or if there really is things. Even today, it was so weird. I don't know if I was just my, my senses were heightened, but when I got to one of the the creepier parts of one of the stories today, yeah, I truly felt like a temperature drop. I know I sound like a loon. Today, today, right now, today, this episode. Which story? Uh, now I'm trying to remember the moment because I didn't want to stop telling it, but I think it was the second story. Oh God! It was just some. It was some build moment where I just felt like just immediate like temperature drop. I'm like, what is that? The, this room, I, I. Yeah, this weird. <laughs> I mean, cold we're probably going to talk about this forever and ever as long as this podcast exists. This room is significantly colder. You know, what'd be creepy is if like the more horror tales the colder are told in here, the colder it gets. Like we're just changing the energy of the room. I mean, thank God we say our prayers right we have the little protection yeah. s- spell up front and then at the end is another little protection and i'm gonna get some we, sage th- you're gonna get some sage yeah i think i think it's time it is funny like with all, this, with all this stuff and i want sage <laughs> uh i want a rosary i'll take like if anybody wants to send us some protection things i will take yeah. it well I, I don't know about you today today i mean i, I didn't get as scared by these stories as last week. I, I like these stories. They yeah. weren't as, I think that's, you know, it's just going to be the natural thing here. Like, they're going to vary kind of week to week. Well, right. But some of these like, ones I feel like hit you later. Right. Well, for instance, like uh, we had a mouse in our house. Do you remember when we first moved in? Uh, oh, no, because I was living, you no, were I in LA there and I was the mouse. there. Yeah, and up. I would like hear that, that like, oh, yeah. That like, Right. I would hear that. And I was like, what the fuck? But it was in the attic. Yeah. And so, and like in the wall. Where like the garage connects with the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I went to bed tonight and heard another mouse. Oh God. I would lose my fucking mind. Specifically the attic. Specifically the attic. And based on last week's story, when I was like telling you that like I do sometimes hear things in our house, the combination of like last week and this week, I do, I feel like it's just gonna build. And like one night, I'm just gonna have the most nightmares. And then that'll be, that'll be fun to talk about here. At least that part will be good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just randomly, I don't know why in my head, just pictured you accidentally killing one of our dogs by snuggling oh my them. God. By snuggling them too hard. Because you're so scared, you just squeeze their little rib cages closed. <laughs> the dogs would be scared if they could understand this. That would be, that. out of all the things I've said, that would be the scariest things the dogs would have heard. <laughs> I hope, you're I hope, such a <laughs> psycho nut pants. I hope you enjoyed listening. We had fun uh, with these stories again. Um, you can find us at Scared to Death Podcasts. Instagram and Facebook. That is correct. You can at skip right. Yeah, well, but I think people know. I think it's people, 2019. I don't, I, don't say I don't think anybody needs to know. They know the handle. At, for the love of God and all this. And holy. the email info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Perfect. And that's where people can send in suggestions for. Hey, did you, you know? Did you check out this story? Did mm-hmm. you check out this tale? Uh, I'd love to hear more of these type of stories. Really don't need to hear more of these kind of stories. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we take it all in, and, yeah. and uh, we want to make this as scary as possible. 
Yes, yes. And we want to thank the amazing Bad Magic Productions team. Mm-hmm. Joe Paisley, Harmony Velikamp, Zach Flannery. And then Jeffrey I, Montoya for doing the sound beds. I was going there. Oh, I thought you I thought you were tossing to me. Oh, oh, I like, see. Yeah, that's right. You, that's you like a gesture. Guy. Yeah. And and then the other thing I was gonna say is like, good job, Dan Cummins. Thanks good, for good, good job, Lindsay Cummins. High five across the high five. Ugh. High five across the room. What Thank if, you for listening. Did you have anything else? I was just gonna say, what if we put our hands up like this and then we both felt like a breeze or something? Oh man. Like what if there's something in How here? How weird is it going to get here? Are, are we going to become those kooky people just thinking about this stuff all the time? Uh, the people uh, I would normally make fun of? Yeah, we are. All right. Find out find out how we uh survived next week, Tuesday at midnight when the next episode of Scared to Death drops. Until then, be fucking scared. Uh. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared.